Again, I'm really glad to be with you. Uh, it's, uh, this is the longest I've gone without being in this type of form and teaching or preaching in this type of capacity in about 20 years. Um, and so I feel a little bit like I'm trying to find my bearings. Again, uh, words aren't perfectly clear. And I've got about two hours of things I want to share with you. So if you just ease back and relax, we'll just let the second hour people come in. No, I, I promise I don't. Uh, but I do. Uh, I want to launch a brand new series today, just a brand new teaching series, where we're going to look uh, really at a shorter per- portion of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 through 7, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the largest recording teaching we have of Jesus, uh, all in one place. And we, we traveled throughout the book of Matthew this summer, right? But we're going to hone in, just kind of back in on just these few chapters. And what we're going to see is, is that when Jesus talks, he's, he's, he's really giving us big time invitations and he's stirring lots and, and lots of hope. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to actually start at the end. And so if you've got a Bible or you want to start flipping on a phone or something, I want to invite you to get to Matthew chapter 7. And while you do that, let me just give you a little context. Jesus is, is teaching largely his disciples, the people, the 12 that he's most investing in. But he's got this other group of people, some are who are disciples, who are actually followers of Jesus, others who are curious. They're on looking. In moments, it's like the largest recorded eavesdropping in human history, Right? There might be a thousand or so people, maybe we're just leaned into the words of Jesus. They're clinging to every single word. And here's what you got to know about the words of Jesus, because they're a couple thousand years old, but they're amazingly, amazingly true and relevant to us. In fact, I wonder if Jesus would like physically come and stand in our midst today, if Jesus would plant himself on the platform of every church or a couch in every micro church or every environment, I actually wonder if he wouldn't say anything. I actually wonder if this is what he would preach again. Because he's actually talking in a time that is amazingly politically divisive. It's amazingly politically divisive. It's not always violent. It is at times. But there are multiple groups vying for power. There are multiple people vying to figure out how it is can we overthrow Rome. And Rome is exercising all of its muscle. It's, it might look peaceful and that every day is not violent, but it is not, it's not peaceful. It's not peaceful. It's... It's incredibly volatile. And at the same time, because of Jesus coming, it is also, man, it is, it is, it is religiously tense. It is religiously tense. Because Rome will let a lot of things go, including some, including some spiritual expressions, as long as you're not rocking the boat of Rome. And, and yet there's these other religious people who they want to rock the boat of Rome. They, they, they believe their spirituality is best expressed only when they have ultimate power and political power. And then you have Jesus coming. And what Jesus does is say something very different on every issue of the day. Jesus talks about different attitudes. He talks about different conduct. He talks about seeing things differently. He talks about living differently. He talks about how we view time differently. He, he, he talks about everything. He talks about soul conditioning. He talks about relationships. He talks about our things. He talks about everything different. It's all different than all of the, the, the growing movements of the day, both kind of culturally and, and politically and also inside of religious or spiritual circles. And inside of all, Jesus talks about something different 
and says, I want to invite you into this. Just like, let's go over to this. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at those words. And uh, we're going to, again, we're going to start at the end because I think the end will actually help shape the context for us a little bit. So Matthew chapter 7, uh, just a little note too, there's, there's actually a reading plan that's part of this. Um, it, it goes for 30 days, but they're not dated, so you can do it in any order you want. They're all really just, uh, you know, some supplemental readings to, to up around the theme of Jesus and, and his followers talking about different things. So you can grab one of these at the hub when you leave today if, if a reading plan is helpful for you. And Matthew chapter 7, Jesus coming towards the end of this longest recorded message, offering something different. And this is what he says. Like, this is Jesus kind of like summarizing the moment, right? He says, everyone then who hears all these words that I've been saying, who hears all these things I've been teaching in the last several minutes and does them, they're going to be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, as it inevitably does, and the floods came, as they inevitably do, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but that thing would not fall because it had been founded and built on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, well, that person's going to be like the foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and it didn't just fall, but great, complete, total was the fall of it. Jesus tells simple little stories, just a simple little parable, right, to create a visual. And inside the story, there's these two guys. And these, these two guys, there are some things that are they're the same about them. Uh, one, they're from the same town. Same town in this town, there were these two guys and these two guys, right? So they have the same like opportunity. They drive by the same churches. They look at the same places to potentially go to work. They look at the same eateries. They, they fish from the same place, right? They're in the same town, all the same things around them, right? And they have the same storms, like because they're in the same town, like you get the same storm, right? You get the same rain. They, they have the same crisis, right? And, and storms can like come in any form. They could be like this physical, like natural disaster storm, right? But, but storms can come in, in any form. Storms can be very personal. They could be your loss. It can be your grief. It can be your financial hardship. It can, it can be, it can be like your singular relational heartache. It can be your bad health diagnosis, it, Right? They can be collective, like groups of people, five people, 500 people, 5,000 people can experience a storm, massive layoffs, community losses, right? You can experience these, these, these things collectively. In fact, whole nations can have storms. I think we, I, we get it, right? It feels pretty stormy right now, Right? It feels like the wind's blowing pretty good. There's not a lot of calm. There's not much civility. There's not, right? It's pretty stormy out. What's, what's interesting is that, that Jesus, we often look to Jesus like for escape to the comfort thing, and yet Jesus is really honest about the fact that storms are coming. Here's the, here's the, the, the good news about storms and Jesus' honesty is that you can rest assured you're either in one or going to one. Right? You don't have to wonder, like, I wonder if there's a storm coming. There is. There is. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I just want to tell you the truth. She's like, it's, it's two guys, same town, but the, but the same storms. 
But, but here's, here's what's true about what, what these storms, regardless of what the storm is, what storms do is storms actually, they reveal things. Storms are great revealers. Storms reveal what's really at the core of something. How strong is something? What is that something that Jesus say built on? What is really happening? What, what storms do is they peel away the surface. Storms are, storms are like a personal, like a soul or a spirit MRI. They're scanning what's below the surface. Here's an MRI of a, of a knee. I'll just show you because I think they're fascinating, right? It's not my, my knee. Uh, it's actually one of yours. I called your doctor and asked it. Never mind. I didn't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's just a random knee, but, but look, like it kind of shows. And there's, uh, look, it, it, this isn't my thing. There's probably something wrong in that knee. I have no idea, right? It, and one of you might tell me afterwards. Right? But you see, like it's below the surface. Like it gets below the skin level. It gets below what, it can look great, but internally it can be weak or strong. It can be real anchored and, or it can, can be loose and fragmented, right? Storms, what, what storms are really doing is they're, they're just revealing what's going on below the surface. And what Jesus says is, hey, look, storms are coming. And I've taught you all these things, all the things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. Jesus says, I taught you all these things so you could make a decision. You could make a you, you get to You get to pick. You get to pick. Let me, let me just show it to you this way. What Jesus is really getting to is, is he's saying, hey, you, you do get options in this thing. Like, I'm here for you because I want this full life with you, and I'm trying to give to you. You do live in a broken, messed up world, and there are storms. There is bad news. There is loss. There is grief. There is tragedy. There is heartache. There's mistake. There's sin. There's brokenness. All these things are part of life on this earth. And Jesus says, but what I want you to know is that when it comes, you can have predetermined what you are built on, right? And predecisions are so often the best decisions, right? It's like you can predetermine what you're building. You, you could build on a stone. You could take what I say, and, and you, could actually, you could actually live it. You, you could embrace it. You could, you could take hold of it. You could do more than hear it, you could actually build your life on it. You could hear a way of Jesus and say, that's the way I'll live. You could hear a heart of Jesus and say, I will let him shape my heart until it looks like his. You can hear a way of responding like Jesus and say, I will be surrendered to him until my responses become like him. I will think like he thinks. I will live like he lives. I will act like he acts because I will actually hear and then actually, I'm going to just build my, everything I do is going to be built on what he says. That's what I want to do. But he says, or you, you can take sand. You, you can take sand. And here's the, here's the tricky thing with sand. It's the sand comes in a lot of different like textures, right? Consistencies, right? You got white sand beaches. Those are probably the best. You got brown sand beaches, those are cool. You got rocky beaches, those are terrible. Okay? You even know, like, if you go to the beach and part of the beach is wet and part of the beach is dry, it's different. And the the confusing thing about sand is um, you can have some rock in the sand. 
You can have some rock in here. There's some, there's some pebbles in here. You can take some of what Jesus says and put it in here and kind of get confused and think, well, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I, I grab Jesus' church habit or I grab this habit or I, I try and pray or I, I try and be nice and those are Jesus' things, right? And so I kind of toss them in. But what I'm really doing is I'm trying to mix them into the, the sand of everything else in life. I'm trying to mix them in into the way that the world works. And she's like, yeah, but that's not really building your life on me. That's trying to build me into your life. It's like when a storm comes, like, I want you to be ready because sand is so vulnerable. You know, like, it's just not very strong. It doesn't hold up to a lot. Like, it just doesn't take much. I mean, just... It doesn't take much. I mean, that was not. She says, you pick. You pick. I'm so for you. My heart's so for you that I'm going to give you pick. You can live this. I'll let you live this. My heart will break for you. And don't get confused because there were lots of religious people in Jesus' day living this. Lots of them. You know what I mean? There were lots of them. Jesus says, no, man, like, I, 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 you, it's your choice. But I'm just telling you what, I, I would so love to give you this. And here's where this is tricky. You see, Jesus, like we're going to cover his words in the next weeks. Man, I'm just telling you, man, it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be full of hope. It is going to be hard at times, right? Because Jesus is offering different. He came to set everything different, right? And, and, but the invitation is like, just take this. Like here, here like in, in essence form, here, here's my, my way. Like I want to invite you into this. I don't, want, I don't want to invite you into the same. I want to invite you to different. And honestly, it's, it is kind of tricky. And if I could, if I could wave like a, a warning flag of some kind today, it would be the last verse, like what comes after what we've already read. Let, let's just look at one more little paragraph. It actually kind of wraps up. It's, it's Jesus' words are done, but it's Matthew's statement about what he watched with these words. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. Matthew wrote these to us. He said, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished. Will you just say astonished with me? Here we go. Let's say it. Astonished. And they're just amazed. They're, they're just blown away. For he was teaching them as one who had this authority, not as their scribes. He's teaching us as one who has all this life. It doesn't sound like empty, rote, religious formulas. It doesn't sound like more guilt than you should have and why didn't you? It sounds like this invitation, this opportunity, and it's got all this hope with it. And they're amazed. They've never heard anything like it. And they're like, can you believe this? I mean, these people are having church. And most of them walk away and don't do anything with it. That's what's tricky about this whole thing. You can hear all the words of Jesus. You can sing all the songs. You can listen to them all. 
put yourself in all the right environments. You can be amazed by it. You can think it's incredible. But Jesus, yeah, but but would you actually like build your life on me? Would you actually put it, like would you actually let that teaching, would you actually let who I am and what I say, would you actually let it be the foundation? Would you actually let it influence all the other things before just trying to like drop me in as little, chisel off little pieces of me. Ah, I like this loving thing, let's put it over here. Oh, I kind of like this forgiveness, let's put it over here. Like would you put it in? Here's what, what, what happens is it can look really good. Building on sand can look really good for a really long time. I, I want to show you a house, um, th- this really cool red house. It's, it's actually a house from, from Sweden. It's on this river, right? And it's, it's this really, it was a really cool house. And here's the thing. You can see, right, like it, things are kind of going away, right? It's, but, but look, if you walk up on the other side of the house, it still looks great. It's got green grass, flat ground. Man, when they built that, best place ever probably. It looks good, doesn't it? You know how easy it'd be to Photoshop that and make it look like the best? I mean, right? It looks good. Uh, That house, it's not there anymore, as you can imagine. One more storm came, and that thing floated down that river. But it looks so good. That's the thing. It can look so good. It can be so close to like, it can be like in the right environment. in the right environment with all the opportunity to build on a rock but built on sand. Two guys, same town, passed all the same things, had all the same resources, had all the same, right? They just chose two different things. This, this story is about their choice, not their resource. Don't get distracted. It's about their choice. And so all all I want to do to set the table for us in the weeks going ahead is is just ask one, one question. With the help of the Holy Spirit, would you just consider over the next few days, what will I do with the words of Jesus? What will I do with the words of Jesus? What will I do? Some of us, we've read the Sermon on the Mount so many times, it's not even, it's not even funny. Like, right? Some you're already ready to check out. Like, ah, oh, Sermon on the Mount, are you kidding me? I've known that since I was four. Great. But what are we actually doing with the words of it? If that's our response, I can tell you we're not really building our life well on those words. What will I do with the words of Jesus? What, what will I and the Maybe the people closest to me, my inner circle, what would I and my family or my group of friends or the, the people that I'm sharing a suite with at school or living in an apartment with, whatever, what, what, will, what will we do with the words of Jesus? Would we have a conversation? Would we have a family conversation that says, what are we doing? In our dating conversation, would we ask each other, what, what will we do together with the words of Jesus? What do we want to do with them? Honestly, what do we want to do with them? As friend groups, what do we want to do with them? And you could say, like, and what, what, what will we do? What will we collectively, as these people of journey, what are we going to do with the words of Jesus? I mean, I can tell you, we're going to do our best to keep building on them. We're going to do our best to keep building on them. And when he says, hey, I got a mission, we're going to try and live that mission. When he says, hey, I came to do this for people, 
everybody who has a breath, we're going to try and live it for everybody who has a breath. We're going to try and say, look, if this is what you've invited us to do, and, and you've invited us to build on this rock, and inside of that rock, we know there's storms, we know there's sacrifice, we know there's grief, but we know there's wins and victory and hope and potential. We're going to try and absorb all of that. Which means, yeah, we're going to keep launching locations. We're going to keep giving ourselves away and giving some of our best friends here to the cause and to the mission because they're going to say they're going. And we're going to grieve it and cheer them at the same time. What, What will you do? What would you and a group do? What will we do with the words of Jesus?